Welcome to episode 66 of All the Small Takes. No, that was a weird... Why, why did my voice do that? Say <laughs> so we just roll with it. <laughs> keep going. We'll keep that part in. All right, three, two, one. Welcome to episode 66, the Drake episode of All the Small Takes. It's a two-man crew tonight. It's just myself and Cooper. As we let you know, if you listened last week, you know that John is taking a little one week extended vacation, delayed honeymoon uh, with longtime listener Caitlin. Shout out Prison to them if Kate. they're listening. Prison Kate. <laughs> so it's just me and Cooper tonight. Cooper, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired. If I'm being totally yeah. honest, my brain has been melted by uh, 21 Pilots. Uh, you're stepping on my lines, but yeah, mine has too, trying to comprehend. Mm-hmm. The storylines and the metaphors. No for sports. Oh, there's no room for sports. Basically, turning we could just turn the whole podcast into a 21 Pilots. Like we could just pivot while he's away and become a 21 Pilots fan podcast. Mm-hmm. There's enough material. There's, there's enough, enough material, and there's certainly a large enough online community. Mm-hmm. We'd probably have more downloads. Probably, probably be ex- catering exclusively to the uh, to the emo teen demo, which I know well. I'm, I'm familiar with that demo. <laughs> I was that demo. <laughs> so anyway. We should post some old pictures of you on Twitter. Yeah, we could do that if you want. <laughs> you, I'll let you dig them up. I'm not going to provide them, but if you did it and it boosts engagement, I would fall on that sword for the team. Sweet. I'm just okay. going to reach out to Carl. Shout out to Carl. Um, yeah, so it's just Cooper and I. We are going to talk through. It's a pretty dead period right now for uh, for all sports, really. We could talk maybe baseball, but I know Cooper wouldn't go for that. We are going to talk do about some baseball. More. I'll listen. Oh, really? Sure. I mean, I won't say anything. Okay. They'll, uh, might be a one man podcast. That's hard. I can't even do a two-man <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but no, we will talk maybe a little baseball. I might, I might make Cooper discuss it or at least listen to it. We're going to talk some college football. We'll talk about the Pac-12. That's the conference that John gave us permission to give a preview for while he was away. And uh, we'll do some some other sports, some NFL stuff that's kicking into gear. There are preseason games on right now as we speak, which is crazy, on August 9th. Uh, but first, before we get into any of that, we want to let you know that you can check us out on Twitter at Small Takes. I think the last Cooper, we're overdue for a tweet. So if it if it's me in my emo days from middle school, or if it's whatever you want it to be, but we need some engagement. I thought about tweeting because I was watching some preseason football tonight and I thought about tweeting about it, but then I was like, no one cares. So I didn't tweet about it. I beg to differ. Just scrolling Twitter, I think a lot of people care. Because I think I I might have been like one of 50 people watching the Bengals Bears preseason Mm. game. Yeah, people don't care about that one. That's that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, check us out on Twitter at small takes, Instagram, small underscore takes, Facebook, all the small takes and Gmail, all the small takes at gmail.com. Subscribe, download, leave a review on iTunes, tell a friend, um, any, I had a couple housekeeping items that, mm-hmm. uh, the only other thing I had was the, to announce to the listeners that John's, you know, John's on vacation. You might not know where John is on vacation. He is in France. Aha. Mm-hmm. He is uh, he's traveling throughout France with Prison Kate. Um, and I, I think he would approve of us saying that it's his favorite country in the world, besides these yeah. United States. Mm-hmm. Definitely his favorite country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's just trying to 
understand what like a winning soccer culture is like to bring that back. <laughs> well, people forget that the last team that France did not defeat was the United States men's national team. Is that true? Can no, we, I, we I feel like we should fact check this because part of me thinks that they had a tie in the group stage. I think they won every game by one, one goal. Hole. I think that's how they got through. All right, you keep talking. I'm All right. Talk I, well, I don't have much else to say, but John, if you're oh, listening, no, they tied Denmark. So shoot. Okay, that that pokes a hole in all of this. <laughs> I guess U.S. soccer isn't that good after all. We're <laughs> just as good as Denmark. Yep. Never mind. Uh, okay. Anyway, so John, we'll see you soon. Before we get into the Pac-12 conference preview and uh, college football season preview talk, there was some news this week. Or I guess last week, right? This was late last week after we recorded last week's podcast. Yeah, like Thursday. Yeah. Um, with Ohio State and Coach Urban Meyer and the whole situation with assistant coach, assistant coach, offensive wide receivers coach, wide receivers coach Zach Smith, and allegations of domestic violence. It's been a predictably very messy, very contentious. Um, lots of scorching hot takes on both sides situation that has yet to be resolved. And if we've learned anything about these types of situations, it's that it's probably best to keep the hot hot takes to ourselves until the situation is resolved. Um, Agreed. Like, like maybe don't hold a, a protest or march or rally. Yeah, rallies rallies for college football coaches who have been accused of things. Typically, we look at historical precedent. Not, not very good. Okay. It's also not know. good to order Papa John's to those rallies. Afterwards. <laughs> no, it's, it's just not. the irony there. Yeah, I know that. And have probably Ezekiel Elliott's dad attendance after mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott's domestic violence history. So, yeah, really well done there by Ohio State fans. Yeah. So, speaking to a fellow Ohio State fan who has a much more uh, level-headed approach to the situation just in talking with you and texting with you. Kind of went through some stages of reaction and as information has come out, um, just want to get your your state, your gauge on it. I know you have lots of thoughts, but just yeah, where are you at right now? Wow, that's a super broad question. I know, I, for being really I set that up that. terribly. You told me you were going like, to throw me some softballs because... <laughs> Because of the subject. Um, all right, so timeline of Cooper's emotional state with this investigation. One, when the news kind of when Nick Murphy first broke his report on Facebook, which is a great part of the story. Um, so when he first broke the news, obviously inclination is to kind of you know believe large parts of that story. Urban clearly lied, covered it up, um, and I thought it was there was a pretty strong case that Urban Meyer should be fired after all. I think coaches in the past at Ohio State, both basketball and football, have been fired for less. Uh, I mean, Jim Trussell is the most obvious one. Uh, Jim Trussell clearly did wrong in covering up an you know NCAA kind of violation. But when we're kind of looking at the nature of the crimes in terms of selling memorabilia for tattoos and uh, domestic violence, I think you know Jim Trussell's error probably really isn't that morally egregious. Uh, yet he was let go, and so I thought there's a you know, a pretty strong case for Meyer to be fired. Um, which of course stung because Erd Meyer is one of my favorite coaches of all time. Uh, he's 
no longer one of my favorite coaches of all time. I don't really trust his integrity or his ability to hold people accountable anymore. Okay, so next, uh, what came out was the tweet. Urban Meyer kind of tweeted uh, a statement that was clearly put together with lots of thought and definitely legal uh, you know, consultations and said that he reported you know, the 2015 incident, which is kind of the incident at hand, through the proper channels to, I guess, the people, the powers that be at Ohio State. Um, and if that's the case, I think Ohio State's going to have a really hard time firing him. I'm not saying that Irmire didn't do anything wrong, but I mean, I don't know if Ohio State's going to have the cause to fire him, which is going to be a large part of this, um, because ultimately if they fire him without cause, then you're looking at a lawsuit you know, because Irvin just signed a huge contract. Like, he's owed, like, $40 million. And so that's a large part of it, too. So, yeah, and that's – and I know I didn't set that up great, but I also didn't want to ask you the hot take question of, like, should he be fired or do you believe him? Because, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head that there are definite questions about his integrity now that weren't there a week ago. Mm-hmm. There are conflicting reports about what he said at Big Ten Media Day and what that prepared – legally uh, clearly like legally informed statement said that he wasn't prepared to address questions of the sensitive nature i forget the exact wording but um whichever whichever side you fall on right now you there's still i don't think it's fair to ask those like black and white questions this isn't a black and white situation i mean i'll answer i mean we're, we're gonna know right like we will as long as we're trusting this investigation with I guess a lot of people don't want to. It's made up of five members. Three of them are board of trustee members, which really isn't that odd in this kind of circ- like circumstance. Um, actually, it might be more than five. But regardless, I know the woman who led the investigation for Ezekiel Elliott's NFL domestic violence case uh, is leading this investigation, which I found interesting. I'm, like We're going now after this investigation is up, whether or not Urban actually did kind of, you know, report this. I think that's going to be obvious. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I tend to believe that because I don't know why Urban would come out and, like, that's going to be a hard lie to cover up, especially with this investigation. Yeah, there'd be do- there will be documentation of something like that happening if it, in fact, happened. I think the other thing that kind of has to be said with this is there's a lot of nuance kind of in this situation. I think a lot of people kind of fail to understand or not, I guess just really aren't like taking into perspective. So Zach Smith uh, definitely did wrong, or at least I tend to think that he did wrong, even though there were no charges were dropped and, but the reports are, you know, do not shed positive light on him um, and listen to his interviews. He just kind of sounds, he sounds guilty. The worst thing um, that he did in the past week was go on television. The absolute yeah. worst thing for everyone. I know exactly why he did that because his attorney said that he wasn't going to until this trial is coming up in the beginning. Of, and then he just decided to, I guess, break that. I don't know, whatever. Um, so as I was saying, Zach Smith is the grandson of Earl Bruce, who was a former head coach at Ohio State. Uh, and Urban was an assistant coach on that staff and has mentioned many times Earl Bruce was a mentor and kind of like a father figure for him. And Urban's clearly, I think, tried to help this marriage 
Like he's him and his wife have provided counseling uh, for Zach and Courtney. And so like, I think a lot of people are kind of saying, well, even if urban did report it, he should still be fired because he gave this guy three chances or whatever. And I think that really, if you kind of take everything into perspective, I don't think a lot of people would have let Zach Smith go if they were in urban's shoes. Like I would like to think that I would hold my coaching staff accountable. And even if he's one of my good friends, um, and I'm trying to mentor him and trying to like right his wrongs, um, you know, and I do have this kind of close family connection to him that I still would have held him accountable and at least maybe punished him, given him a suspension or even fired him. But it's not that black and white, even in a situation with like domestic violence where there's this clear wrong. Right. And and to that clear wrong, there is a clear course of action that a head coach that someone in Urban Meyer's position was told and was bound to take and that was reporting it. And if and to your point, I mean that that alone, I think people underestimate how like there are people who say they would do that and then would find themselves in that situation with someone in that type of relationship mm-hmm. where they would be it'd be easy to sweep that out of the rug and just write it off as we're giving you another chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Urban if Urban did that and that instead he reported it, then it's this is like you said, open and shut. Like, and and he, I, that would be a absolutely wild turn. And after he came out and basically said point blank that he did in fact report it, um, but yeah, would be take about his word. Then I mean, that's that's a step that he was that that's the step that he was required to take. I think the worst thing, the thing I'm most scared of with this situation, is that it drags on, mm-hmm. um, because I think that it's just you know, fair for the team and fair for the players to move on. Um, and yeah. so they're just like all these kind of like, I don't know, weird little, not weird, but just like all these nuances that I think are kind of, you know, not really be taken, being taken into perspective with the story. Twitter, Twitter is not a place for nuance, my friend. Twitter is not a space for nuance. And I do not know if I can handle college football Twitter. I just do not know if I am cut for it. So that's a great segue. Uh, Cause we are going to talk some actual college football. Um, Cooper has dipped his toes into the college football Twitter water and I don't know I don't know if you will be able to handle it just knowing how you react as like in face-to-face settings when it comes to college football I don't know how it gets really real and so I don't know how uh, the small takes account we might have to do some policing of access or like you might just have to create a burner account that might be the best solution (laughs) Uh, if you create small takes number one fan one two three four seven eight burner account for we could do that we could do that get some retweets someone on twitter will make me cry at least once (laughs) (laughs) okay um so moving on to the pac-12 the conference that john gave us permission to do a preview of while he was away because i think Outside of the Big 12, it's probably his least favorite conference. I mean, it's got USC, which is by far his least favorite university, and Stanford, which probably would be a close second. Although I know he likes the band a lot. Um, and we should have, I'm realizing now we should have put totally like geared this superlative section towards John, towards making him angry, and like a test to see if he listens. Oh, you dropped out, no volume. All right. I'm back. Oh, you're back. Cooper's back. 
I'm back. I'm just going to talk about how awesome David Shaw is the whole time uh-huh. we're talking about this. Uh-huh. And how Sam Darnold will be the uh, the star of this draft class in 15 years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He actually he was actually put in a position to fail last year. Yeah. And he actually, uh, on that first play of that Notre Dame game, they shouldn't have been rolled a fumble that he was actually down, and that would have changed the whole course of the game. I only say this because, Cooper, I took a page out of your playbook, and I was watching full game uh, replays of the Notre Dame-USC game the other nice. night when the Red Sox were off, and I had nothing else to do. Nice. I did That's it. the way to do it. And How I hate awesome to admit was it. it? It was pretty, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to lie to you. Did you do the you full me pretty and a half hour one? Or did you do Dude, the like thirty minute run through? I, I the one that I found was probably I think it was three and a half hours because it started with like nice. the pregame. Like I was watching. Uh, <laughs> oh shoot, who's the guy? Chris Sims. <laughs> I was watching Chris Sims talk through like no, breaking down Notre Dame USC because I wanted what I really wanted and how awesome was Sam was. Yeah, what I wanted was the build up to kick off and just like feel that excitement in my bones for college football. I actually stopped watching like halfway through the first quarter because I got bored. But for those like first twenty minutes of the the rewatch, I understood what you do, and I can't understand how you do a full two. Do you do the full two and a half hours? Sometimes. Oh my gosh! I typically try and find the like you know, the thirty minute or forty minute ones where it's like speeding through. It's pretty much just play to play to play. Um, but there aren't some for every single game. Right. The spring games. The spring games. Those are the worst. Wait, you're rewatching spring games, Cooper? Yeah, I've done that. Are you before. serious? Yeah, I need to know who like my third string players are. I don't know what's wilder that you're rewatching spring games or that the Notre Dame game that you picked to rewatch was the Georgia game. Like, that was a most... great football game. Was, yeah, but it, like, and you know that's like my type of football game. It was a oh, defensive yeah. slugfest. It was awesome. It was I just awesome. don't know how you can like put yourself through that. Like, I can remember as a kid watching like before the Red Sox. Um, broke the curse, like watching clips of like I don't know Buckner or like Aaron Boone, and like you watch it, and you almost think it's going to happen differently this time. Like you think that Wimbush isn't going to get sacked and fumble on that last drive. So I don't know how you can do that to yourself mentally. Well, I mean, it's Notre Dame, it's not Ohio State, so like I'll let you into a little secret here. Like I'm not watching the whatever 31 to three game, 38 to game. three, whatever it was. The yeah, final. Yeah, I'm not going back and rewatching that one. So, okay, fair. I'm so anyway, sure. where were we? The Pac-12? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Pac-12. Uh, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel with the Pac-12. And you'll, so we do, we're doing our superlatives, which we do for every conference. You like yearbook style superlatives of most likely to or best in XYZ. But for the Pac-12, because the our knowledge is so, so thin, the first superlative is going to be a quiz. It's going to be, can Cooper name all 12 teams in the Pac-12? Are we sure there are 12? And we're not doing some oh, like weird... All right, like there, there are 12. I there are 12. Looked. It's not like the Big 12 now, which has 10. I googled the Big 10, okay. which now has 12. Yeah. All right. So, <sighs> Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, Cal, USC, it's five. Uh, Colorado, Utah. figures. Uh, yeah, you're Oregon, there. Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. That's eleven. Who am I missing? Yep. You've already mentioned them once. 
I mentioned them once. Stanford. Did we? There you go. Man, I'm good. Boom. All 12 teams in the Pac-12. We are experts. We are. Cooper is an expert. I, I, yeah. That's all I got. I, I don't know if I would have been able to do the same thing. That's why I turned it around on you. Colorado was the trickiest one. As soon as I remembered that Colorado was in the Pac-12, I felt pretty good about that. Is Boise State not a Power 5 conference yet? Why hasn't that happened? No. <laughs> I feel like that's been rumored to happen for a better part of a decade. I think yeah. everyone just looks at their blue turf and just runs away. Yeah. Or they just look at how long it takes to get to Boise, Idaho. And they're like, yeah, on second <laughs> thought. <laughs> second thought, you can keep playing Montana, <laughs> Wyoming, <laughs> all the states that like have one major city in a regional airport. <laughs> So anyway, that was uh, superlative number one. Good job, Cooper, for the Pac-12. Uh, superlative number two, the player who is most likely to claim a West Coast Heisman bias. So this happens seemingly every year. We can call this the Christian McCaffrey Memorial uh, superlative. Cooper, do you have any nominees? There are a couple kind of obvious ones here. but Yeah, I know of one Pac-12 player. Uh, wait, no, I know two, kind of. I know like one and a half, because I know a last name. Um, oh, wait, no, three. I just thought of another one. All right, Bryce Love. <laughs> I think it's the obvious choice. Right. You could have called this the Bryce Love Memorial as well. Yeah. I mean, I just know he's going to get a lot of carries. As long as he doesn't get hurt, uh, the problem is, is no one's going to watch him. I mean, that's what we talk about every single year. I don't actually think he's going to win the Heisman, even though he uh, he's definitely in the top five in betting odds. I don't know where he actually falls. He might even be like two. Okay, well, you look that up. I think I want to mention one of the other like two or three Pac-12 players that we know. It's Jake Browning, mm-hmm. senior quarterback at Washington, who in my extensive pre-podcast research, I found out that Washington seems to be most people's favorite to win the Pac-12 this year. And Okay. I can see people getting behind the senior quarterback, uh, like high-octane, ish offense i don't know if washington really has a high octane offense i'm probably confusing them with washington state shout out to mike leach um that just goes to show how little i know about the pac-12 but i don't know jake browning seems like like there's gonna be a few there's there's not like an abundance of stud quarterbacks this year in college football seems go ahead sorry give me those odds he is number one odds number one yeah wow who's number two Oh man, you're gonna make me like scroll down this website. It's like so slow. It's well, it's a slow. It's like trying to load this. We're like trying to load this like golf ad that I don't care about. Yeah, who likes ads? Who likes digital ads? Those suck. Am I right? (laughs) We're getting up. Um, the player I think we forgot about uh, was Cleo Tate, plays for Arizona, who got a lot Uh, of hype last year, and he actually might be kind of a good option because defensive player, right? Khalil Tate? He's a quarterback. No. Oh, man. This is embarrassing. He, like, runs a lot. He can't really throw the ball, like, super well. But he's a very exciting player to watch. All right, you should at least watch Khalil Tate. Like, go watch right. some highlights. There you go. All right, we're, I'm taking that advice. Our listeners should take that advice because apparently I thought he was a defensive player. So <laughs> I'm going to go check out Khalil Tate after the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, Khalil Tate, Jake Browning. Bryce Love, who apparently is the favorite, um, but undoubtedly he will get the, oh, he's on the West Coast, no one sees him play. He can't win the Heisman narrative. That will happen. 
You heard it here first. Uh, speaking of Washington State, which I mentioned, because I have to, because I love Mike Leach, uh, the team most likely to have their season ruined by Washington State. So they always seem to play spoiler in the Pac-12. Like I think last year, before the Notre Dame game, I think USC lost to Washington State at Washington State. I like a weird one of those weird Friday night Pac-12 games where you like Pac-12 after dark games. Pac-12. Well, they're all kind of Pac-12 after dark games, but when it gets really weird is on Friday nights when it's like the only thing on, and you come home from whatever you were doing, and you're like, oh, it's the second quarter out in uh, Spokane, or no, that's not where Washington State is. Pullman. I'll tune in for this. That's at least how it goes for me. Um, so yeah, which team in the Pac-12 Cooper is going to have their season ruined by Washington State? All right. So to have a season ruined, that means like you actually like are looking to be good. Uh, there aren't many Pac-12 teams that are looking to be good. So we're like choosing from a very slim pool here. Um, man, the obvious one is the the Apple Cup. I was gonna say, when do they play in the season? Washington, Washington State. That's the very end of the year. Yeah. There you go. Washington State. Um, but I'm going to choose Stanford, just to be different. Uh, Washington State goes to Stanford this year. But I don't know. I could just see that being difficult for Stanford, keeping up with that offense. Washington State's going to have a problem, though. Uh, I don't think their defense. So they're never known for their defense. Um, but their defense had improved under defensive coordinator Alex Grinch the past like three years. It kind of been like steadily improving, especially past defense. Um, and then Ohio State just nabbed uh, kind of grabbed him to be the eventual replacement for Greg Schiano mm. when he leaves. Um, so I don't know if Washington State's going to kind of pull up that pull off that upset that they're kind of known for. Yeah, I mean the the sneaky answer here is that no team will have their season ruined by Washington State because going off of one of the polls or predictions or previews I looked at, they people think that they're going to be pretty bad this year, and the fact that they play USC and Stanford away. They don't get to to tap into that Pullman magic. Um, I don't I don't know if it's in the cards for them this year, which pains me a little bit. I'll say Washington though. If 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 Washington is as good as people say they are, and they have a playoff case going into that last game of the season, which where is that game? The Apple Cup. That's at yeah. Washington. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, that's my pick then. Pullman magic. All right. Uh, over under seven wins for Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. Chip Kelly's first year taking the reins at uh, at UCLA. Cooper, what do you think? I'm doing some more schedule research right now. Yeah, I know. We're on top of our game. John, where is John to fill the space with like some talk about how Chip Kelly embodies the moral degradation and uh, the need for resurgence of traditional football style, not this air raid offense. I don't know. I'm trying to sound like John right now. Did you put it at seven? Man, why'd I you did. put it at seven? Can we like do you want to do seven and a half? Like what are we doing here? Uh that's true. You you make a good point. I'm I am not a gambling man. Let's do seven and a half, sure. All right, sure. Under. Uh their schedule's pretty Under. tough. Yeah, they're like out of conference games are, are uh Cincinnati, Oklahoma Ooh. And Fresno State. I'm not saying like those. They're not beating Oklahoma. In Cincinnati, they're probably going to beat Cincinnati, but that could be like I think more challenging than most people think it is. Is um, it at Cincinnati? I doubt oh, it. No, it's in California. It has to be. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> they do get to host USC and and Washington, Stanford, and Washington. So they, they host the three toughest teams on their schedule. Wait, is that is that USC UCLA game always played at the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I don't know. You're asking questions about the Pac-12. We couldn't even name all 12 teams. 10 I did ago. name all 12 teams. All right. Um, I couldn't name. I thought Khalil. Uh, I can't even think of his last name. Khalil. Khalil Mack. He's not. He's a quarterback. Khalil Mack. That's a defensive yeah. end slash linebacker. Okay. Who's no longer going to play for the Raiders? Um. Yeah. Under. I'm pretty convinced about the under. I do think eventually they'll be good. I think Chip Kelly's a good coach for college, not yeah. for NFL. But we'll write the ship. Just not this year. Uh, for fun, I'll take the over. Why not? I do think having, so Washington, uh, like we said, Washington, USC, and Stanford in like I guess you want to call them home games, even though like you said, the USC one probably like more of a neutral site slash USC home game. Um, I'll say that there's eight wins to be found here. Why not? It'd be fun to have Chip Kelly back in the college ranks. It's going to be fun, I think, regardless yeah. of how well they do this year. Yep. All right. Last thing on the Pac-12 before we can put this to bed and return to it on a Friday night in September when we realize that there's actually college football on TV. Uh, the same question we put forth for the Big 12. Will a Pac-12 team make the playoff this year, Cooper? No. Really? So so you're yeah. really out of the Big 12, you're really out of the Pac-12. So you're going with two teams from one of the other Power 5 conferences. Or, yeah. or Notre Dame. Or Notre Dame. I am leaving space for Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. uh, no, I don't actually think Notre Dame is going to make the playoff. I just think the ask is too large. We could talk all about that. I'm sure John would be very excited. Um, to oh, just we could have totally joked about him. Like, duped him into thinking like we were going to do a Notre Dame preview of this podcast. I know. It would have been great. Or we could have um, done it. That would have been even funnier. Probably mean. <laughs> I have to think that the SEC is going to get two in again. Like that's what I'm leaning towards, um, and I don't think they're going to leave out the Big Ten this year because I think the Big Ten from top to bottom is going to be the best conference of football. So if you, if it not for the SEC, does the Big Ten have the second best chance to put two teams in? Yeah. So no love for the ACC. Some love. No, I mean I think Clemson is really good. I just think Clemson is going to completely dominate the ACC. That'd be pretty remarkable for Clemson. Would that be four years in a row in the playoff? Yeah, it would be. That would be insane. Has Alabama done the same thing, I guess, too, right? Alabama's been in every year, so that would yeah. be five. Yeah. But credit to Clemson. Alabama uh, also gets is their Alabama. Yeah, like last year was meh, meh, meh. Yeah. Meh. We don't want to revisit it. It's okay. Oh, yeah, that's... You can go watch. What was their loss last year? Oh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's not one you would rewatch, huh? Or, or the, no, or the Iowa. Iowa one would be worse. <laughs> the Iowa one was way worse. And I probably should rewatch it because like, I couldn't see anything through my tears. <laughs> Folks, he's not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a figure of speech. <laughs> um, I'll say yes. I, w- I really want to believe in, I guess, Washington would be the team to hitch my wagon to. Even though I've kind of said that they might get their season ruined by Washington State on the last game of the season, uh, senior quarterback who's been to the college football playoff before, a coach who's been to the college football playoff before, and I—I I mean, there at one at some point this pattern of Alabama, Clemson, 
Georgia, I guess, would be like the the next best, or maybe Auburn. I don't like something's gonna break in this like shield of SEC and ACC dominance in the college football playoff. So, Jeff, who does Washington play on September first? Question. In Atlanta, Georgia. Oh my gosh, they play Alabama. No. I forgot about they that. They play Auburn. Oh, Auburn. I Never don't mind. think they're beating Auburn in the SEC country. Mm. Just It'd be a statement game, though. That's that's the kind of game would that, on your resume. It would be if they win that game. That's huge for them. Yep. But they don't have like if they lose that. That's I think it's season over because there's just no margin for error in the Pac-12, and that's ultimately that's why I don't think they're getting it. Yeah, First game, that's... traveling across the country into the Chick-fil-A, Georgia Dome, whatever the new stadium is called. Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes. No, wait, no, no. Is it still? The, yeah, that's the new the stadium. New, the new stadium is Mercedes-Benz. Oh, you're right. Okay. All right. Stand corrected. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. But you win that, and then you run the slate in the Pac-12, which is not that strong. You got yourself a... Get yourself a case for the college football playoff. That's true. Or your season's over after one game. <laughs> <laughs> Such is life in college football. Uh, okay, anything else in the Pac-12? I feel like we. I learned something. I don't know if you learned something. I learned that Khalil, Khalil, Khalil Tate, Khalil Tate. Why do I want to keep saying Khalil Mack? That's. I think that's my brain. I've done football brain. Where I went, Khalil, Khalil Mack, defensive player. That was the jump that my my head made. <laughs> yeah, can't defend you. <laughs> I'm not, I can't. I, can, I can't defend me ever. Um, so yeah, that was the Pac-12. That was informative, if nothing else. Uh, we'll do another conference next week. We'll see what John wants to do when he gets back. Uh, let's do a couple doper knots to catch up on some other things around. Sports world, we'll start with Hard Knocks, Jarvis Landry. So this happens every year. And I remember last year it was Jameis Winston, so I don't want to get too excited about like the, the stars of Hard Knocks and the, the quotable or like memeable speeches. But Jarvis Landry had a pretty awesome speech to the wide receiver group at the Browns. No, Jarvis Landry was definitely the star of episode one of Hard Knocks. Which I know you haven't watched, which I think is a shame. Hard Knocks was super dope, um, and Jarvis Landry was also super dope. Like, if you don't take him in the first round of your fantasy football draft, you're an idiot. This is gonna convince a lot of people to <laughs> to go in on Jarvis Landry early, probably too early. But if you haven't watched the video, go out and watch it because he says in very colorful language that these Browns aren't those Browns. That what happened, like the attitude and the, I guess like team approach, wide receiver approach at least, that uh, that led them to be zero and sixteen last year is not going to cut it anymore. That's pretty awesome. No, I'm very convinced the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, huh? Yeah. You realize this is a po- this is a like thing that we put out to the world, right? Oh, that's true. If we can do we want to really want to do we can do this right now. We can do the Browns over under wins. Let's look up their over under for wins. All right. Cleveland Browns over under. We'll cut all this, maybe. How why can't why when I Google like a question like how long should you hard boil an egg for? I get an immediate answer. But when I just want to know 
over under for the Cleveland Browns 2018 football season. I have to dig like five three layers and in a CBS article. Five and a half wins. Five and a half. Okay. Over under Cooper. Mm, man, that's why Vegas is good at this. That's <laughs> why they. That's why Vegas is Vegas, and gambling is <laughs> addictive. <laughs> uh, and now legal. <laughs> over. I think yeah. there's a very that real chance. So tempting. I think there's a very real chance the Browns are the second best team in the AFC North. Like that scenario seems real to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, think the Browns are that bad. They have. I think a lot more talent than probably like twenty of the teams in the NFL. Yeah, the one the one thing that could hold them there's a couple things that could hold them back. They play a tough schedule. Like they open they their season could quickly like start on a not so great note. Like they open against the Steelers, I think, and follow that up with the Saints or in reverse order. One of those two things happens. I think it's Saints Steelers. No, it might be Steelers nope. Saints. Steelers Saints. Um, that's a tough. That's a couple of tough games to start your season, uh, and they're obviously in need of any sort of momentum. And if they don't get that early on, then it could be trouble. And I mean, Vegas does do this for a reason, and I think they do it more. They they look at the team, but they also look at where the public will bet and I think a lot of people are going to talk themselves into the over on the Browns with the hard knocks hype and the like the just the hype there's a lot of hype all right moving on speaking of NFL we'll do one more NFL dope or not uh Cam Newton confronted Calvin Benjamin today before the uh Panthers played the Bills they were like stretching warming up Calvin Benjamin if you missed it Basically said that Cam was a bad quarterback to play for and that he felt like he was held back having Cam as his quarterback. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically that message. And Cam walked right over to him and said, uh, and, and seemed to confront him about it. Cooper, you watched the video like right as we were getting ready to start. What would you think? Dope or not? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I thought this story was a lot cooler when I mistakenly thought Kelvin Benjamin was still on the Panthers. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's so irrelevant. I forgot he got like traded to the Bills last year. <laughs> wait, you, wait, so you read that story and saw his quote and thought that that was something that he... I was way more excited when I thought they were on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's dope, though, because uh, <laughs> Calvin Benjamin was incredibly intimidated by Cam Newton. No question. Like he, he wanted to get away from that situation yeah. as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And Cam Newton's a a big dude. That's what that video convinced me of. I thought it was pretty dope. Yeah. That was dope. I agree. Um, last thing. I feel like we're just saying basically dope or not has become here are dope things that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, I think I have... Oh, actually, I'm curious your thoughts on this. So the NCAA made pretty significant changes to how it does business with high school basketball players and, I guess, NCAA basketball players to an extent, too. They changed that you can declare for the draft, and now you can return to your team if you... I don't know if it's if you go undrafted or if you can just like opt to return, but you have flexibility in that regard now. And then... 
quote unquote, and this is where I think it gets a little confusing, classic NCAA, quote unquote, elite athletes at the high school level can have agents. And the NCAA, without consulting USA Basketball, said, hey, USA Basketball, you can help us figure out or basically tell us which high school basketball players are elite. Did you see Yeah, this, this is like, super yeah. not dope. I hate this. Because <laughs> what the heck does elite mean? So that would be my like, first complaint. Um, my second complaint is, is it just like shows that the NCAA has their priorities like all out of order and all out of whack. Like this is not what the NCAA should be con- like concerned with. They should not be like concerned with the fact that they are going to lose high school athletes to go play in the NBA. And that is going to hurt their bottom line. It's just super not dope. It's not dope. Because this, I think, ultimately makes it harder for the NBA to do what they were going to do, which was coming, was you know, allowing high school players to basically enter the draft, um, which I thought was a much better solution. And so now it's just going to make it harder. It's going to make the decision harder. It's going to like just make everything so convoluted. Uh, and I hate it. I think their intentions are so messed up. Yeah. And anything that NCAA is just not dope. Right. Anything. Yeah, we could just let's make that blanket statement. I'm confused what the function of an agent is for a high schooler when that high schooler still cannot decide out of high school to go to the NBA. Yeah. And the agent can't go be like, okay, college player, go sign for Nike. Right. And don't get paid for it. Like, they can't even do that. What's the yeah? What is the point of having an agent? No, to give you advice, I guess, but advice about decisions that you have been made for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly, or, or restricted for you. Yeah, this is like a I don't know, like a it's like a halfway kind of. It's a partial solution, is really what it is. It's we're pre- like almost pretending to give more freedom to high school players, but not yeah. really. Like if you read the story, the NCAA is banking on you reading the story really quickly and thinking like, oh, high school players can have agents now? Awesome. That's so great. But no, they Uh still have to come to college and they actually can't sign any sort of deals with to to like make money off of their likeness or Yeah, and we're still gonna use that exclusively to make a ton of money. Right. So not dope. (laughs) In summary, (laughs) not dope. Uh, John would agree. I, I can just I feel like I can safely say that. All right, let's finish up with waste of data. Do you have a waste of data? You're going to your phone, so I'm guessing that you don't. I had to look it up. It was this Skip Bayless came through. Oh, as he often does. Mm-hmm. I don't pay enough attention to Skip Bayless. No, you pay, that means you pay just enough attention to Skip Bayless. All right, so this was like a, I think, pretty normal tweet for like. 90% of it. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, Tyrod Tailpour, he misspelled, misspelled Taylor, um, looking smooth and sharp, sweet touchdown pass to Njoku. Tyrod clearly isn't ready to concede to the first pick in the draft who's taking over hard knocks. All right, so like that's all fine and like good. He ends the tweet by saying, nope, bake that baker, which I just thought was like the silliest way to end a tweet. And I just, yeah, so dumb. Skip Bayless is an idiot. He also continued on on an earlier tweet by saying that Brady was like 50 times greater than Aaron Rodgers and that Dak Prescott was 
uh, and is better than Carson Wentz and will be the better long-term quarterback. All things that I just think are absurd and crazy. That all happened today. So thank you. Just, that was just a day in the life, Skip. Dudes also had like 38,000 tweets. So if that's, that's not always people. the data, like, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> it's 38,000 separate ways of data. That's, that's an insane amount of tweets. Like, I, think I, I think I found that right. Is that... That could be the number of viewers that he has on Undisputed. Thirty-seven point six thousand tweets. Yeah, so round up. That's that's bananas. <laughs> um, my waste of data is Brian Cashman, general manager of the New York Yankees. Before this last weekend's series, in which the Yankees lost all four games to the Red Sox, he went to the media, asked a question about the Red Sox in the media, and said. Quote, you wonder what their record be record would be if they weren't playing us. Because when we go head to head, we do some damage against them, and it doesn't seem like anybody else is capable. Brian Cashman opened his mouth and inserted his foot just in time for the Yankees to come to Boston for a decisive four game sweep that put them firmly out of the AL East race. Nine nine games back right now. It was nine and a half after the weekend, sorry, eight games back now because the Red Sox lost tonight. That's okay. But, hey, Brian Cashman, maybe uh, maybe think before you go after the best team in baseball in basically every category. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, it's I never hope. good to put your feet in your mouth. That's how you get things like hand, foot, mouth. <laughs> that is how you get <laughs> And I just had that. So I'll tell you no Wait, you not. just had hand, foot, mouth? I did. Wait, like this week. Do you know that this is like going around baseball right now? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't. Noah Syndergaard had I'm it. Not like Jay Happ had secretly it. Playing baseball, I promise. Wait, that's um, I. If you had asked me like a month ago, I wouldn't even have known what hand, foot, and mouth disease was. And now three people who I'm at least aware of mm-hmm. have had it. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And I'm not even like Tom Brady. Like I don't kiss my son on the mouth. He was the one who had it. And somehow I got it from him, so that was great. I hesitate to even ask this, but what is what is that like? What is having hand, foot, and mouth like? Well, lots of things. Uh, it's humbling, first and foremost, because I realize that my kid can handle disease a lot better than I can. Um, <laughs> but basically, it's like you get a bad fever, really bad, uh, like sore throat, and then you get like these, like this rash on your hands your feet and you're kind of running i didn't get anything around my mouth but some people do and it like burns it sucks it's pretty miserable that's pretty terrible Mm -hmm. glad you've made a full recovery i have fully recovered good to hear all right that's the show for the week (laughs) thank you for tuning in to episode 66 of all the small takes we'll be back next week with the full cast and crew including John and we'll do another conference preview. We'll I'm sure have probably a more lively discussion about all things, uh, whatever conference we choose to pick. Um, cause, <laughs> cause pack 12 is not really our forte. We got through it. We made it happen. Uh, check us out on social media, leave us a review, tell a friend and let us know what you think of any, this episode or any other episode. And we'll be back next week.
dope. <laughs> that was my Don impression. I think that was pretty good. good yeah, it was. Which is like as low as I could get my voice to go. John does have like the best voice for the podcast by far. He does.